welcome Hoosier fans to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers go on the road and pick up a victory over the Nebraska Cornhuskers 82-74 in a game that Indiana actually led by 19 at one point in the second half. The Hoosiers held on, never let Nebraska get it closer than six from there on out. And it moves Indiana to 14-4 and four on the season, 4-3 and three in conference play. And let me underscore it again, it was a road victory. And it has been so hard in Big Ten play to get road wins. I think that now brings the overall record of Big Ten home teams to 40-7. and seven. So, yeah, you know, there were some warts in the play and yada yada, all that stuff. But Indiana went on the road, got an eight-point win in one of the toughest places to play, in a place where Nebraska has beaten a couple of good teams. So... Bottom line, a really important night for Indiana, a really big win, and we're excited to break it down for you here on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm your host, Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms. Alex Bozich from Inside the Hall is going to be our special guest uh, tonight, so he'll be popping uh, here in and out. He's also going to be obviously doing his postgame work over at InsideTheHall.com, which you should absolutely, absolutely check out, uh, but he'll be here in a little bit. But let's start this show the way that we start every show. And that is with our banner moment. And for the banner moment, I'm going to the 245 mark of the second half. It's 73 to 65. And it kind of felt like Nebraska had a little bit of momentum and was ready to make one last gasp to make this a game. And so Indiana on offense, Al Durham missed a three-pointer. It was a good look, but he missed it. And Joey Brunk got a really tough rebound and then was able to fight through three Nebraska players to hang on to the ball and get fouled. And it was exactly the kind of tough, gritty winning play that you need to make to win road games like this. Now, he got fouled. He would miss the free throw. And then Trace Jackson Davis got the offensive rebound and scored. That made it 75-65 to 65 Indiana. And it really, in the moment, seemed to kind of reaffirm control of the game uh, for the Hoosiers after Nebraska had cut it to eight. That was the closest they had been since halftime. And those two guys all night long were the two best players on the court for Indiana. They controlled this game. Uh, and Trace later on would knock down a couple of clutch free throws uh, when it was 80 to 74. That very easily could have been a banner moment. Those were huge free throws by him, which really kind of sealed it and shut the door. But Trace Jackson Davis on the night, 18 points, 13 boards, four assists, and a block shot. Joey Bronk, 16 points, five boards, two assists, and two blocks. You know, Nebraska would end up, like I said, getting it to six later, but that play, when it pushed it back out to 10, it really just meant that Nebraska had too far to go to come back. And, and it's those little plays like that, again, it's toughness, it's grit, it's getting a key rebound, it's, you know, getting a key putback. That's the kind of stuff that, especially when you're not getting great play from your guards, and Indiana got decent play from its guards, some good stretches. But especially down the stretch, you know, some decisions by Rob Finnessy, some decisions by Al Durham were a little questionable. Indiana's big guys stepped up, made the plays that they need to ice the game. Tip of the cap to Joey Brunk and Trace Jackson Davis. They were great, and they combined for tonight's banner moment. All right, our banner moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Homefield Apparel, a company that was founded by an IU grad that remains based in Indianapolis. And these guys are so supportive of IU athletics, of the football team, of the basketball team, uh, and really just the whole athletic department. And that's a great reason to support them. But an even better reason is that their stuff is awesome. It's really comfortable even after you wash it. They've got unique logos that you can't find anywhere else. The Bison logo, of course. Uh, they've got you know uh, the Script Indiana. I actually am wearing, I've got the Script Indiana long sleeve tee. And I've mentioned before, like, I'm really particular about my long sleeve tees. I want them to fit a certain way. And this one is probably the most comfortable long sleeve tee that I own. 
I will probably buy two or three more of them just so that I have them in a rotation uh, for when they get dirty. So I have some on backup because I like the shirt that much because, uh, you know, I love the logo. It's so comfortable. Uh, and I just love supporting Homefield Apparel and their stuff is great. And so we recommend that you go to homefieldapparel.com, check out their entire collection of Indiana gear. They work with a lot of other schools now because, you know, these guys are great and they're smart and they're good businessmen. But they started with Indiana. Indiana is the most expansive collection that they have and you will definitely find Find something there for yourself or for the Indiana fan in your life. And when you go, use the promo code ASSEMBLY20 at checkout. That will get you 20% off your entire order. That's ASSEMBLY20 for 20% off your entire order. Go to homefieldapparel.com today. Get the most unique and comfortable IU apparel anywhere. All right. Well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. And we will start with Andy Bottoms. Andy, your bottoms line on this Indiana road victory. I'm just going to say that all night because it's fun to say. As as you should, as you should. <laughs> uh, I'll go back to the first half a, a bit where uh, basically a, a lineup came with the lineup of, uh, or a run came with the lineup of Trace, Joey, Rob, Armand, and Jerome on the floor. And that really got IU, I, I, I hesitate to say control because I never really, felt, uh, never really felt too at ease at various points during this game. But that group really... Did a nice job in the middle to latter part of the first half. Uh, got IU a lead back after some struggles early on. And and credit to some of the, the seniors that came in after them for actually expanding that lead. Because I was uh, a little bit skeptical of, can you really take this group out? They're playing so well. Um, and, and, and that group, uh, you know, Devontae and Duran came in, made some plays uh, down the stretch of the first half and, uh, and did a nice job. And then offensively, IU really excelled to start the the second half i think 10 of their first 12 possessions they scored on and then went into a just horrendous albeit uh not unfamiliar lull offensively where they really abandoned getting the ball inside weren't playing as fast settled for jumpers maybe because a few went in uh earlier in the half and and turned the ball over struggled to contain dribblers and 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 lost focus a little bit they regained it back enough at the end to uh, to win the game, and they had created enough separation with that night. I think nineteen is the most that the lead got to in the second half. But um, so it was, as you said, a road win. You can't um, you can't downplay that at all, um, given the importance of that in the Big Ten race and just in I use tournament resume any way that you want to look at it. Uh, but this was another performance with this team where it's Jekyll and Hyde. You never know what you're going to get from minute to minute. You had some really good stretches of play. Uh, on both ends of the floor, and then you had some really unfocused stretches of play uh, on both ends of the floor that allowed it to be uh, a little closer than than many would have liked it to be. But uh, at this point, you set out on on a week where you had two road games, and I think anybody would have said uh, it's uh, it, it would be good to get one, and they managed to do that, and and now they've got a, a tough test coming up at home against Michigan State, but. Uh, good to be able to to get there, and perhaps the travel delays of not getting there uh, fulfilled Ryan's wish of changing up the road trip routine. Uh, so Mother Nature stepped in to uh, to get something different going for for the team, and uh, it it seemed to it seemed to work, I guess. You know, somewhere he's taking credit for this because he talked about was that I don't know it was a something called oh, radio or one yeah. Of the there's no shows. there's no doubt he's somewhere. He's at <laughs> dinner right now. You know, I said I said they needed to get the plane stranded. I'm so glad they listened to me. Yep. Time has proven me right on virtually everything. No, no. But 
he did. I mean, you know, he did say that. So uh, I guess we'll I guess we'll give him some kind of credit. Now, I do I do want to mention, you know, Indiana won this game by eight points. And, you know, look, sometimes to win on the road, you maybe need to do some things that you don't do normally. Now, today, Indiana hit eight three pointers. And I thought, you know, early on at one point in the game, they were shooting like 42 percent from three point range. And I thought a lot of the shot selection was smart. I thought when they hit that lull offensively in the second half, they started taking three-pointers too quickly. They started settling for those possessions where they just passed the ball around the perimeter, didn't get it inside. And so I thought, you know, they missed some, even though they missed, you know, a, a couple of good looks. Some of them were really questionable on a night when you were doing so much damage inside. But, you know, Andy, Indiana won by eight. And just off the top of my head, I can remember Deron Davis hitting a 17-foot jump shot. Trace Jackson hitting Trace Jackson Davis hitting a 19 foot jump shot. Uh, Joey Brunk hitting a floater and Joey Brunk hitting like a 15 foot jump shot. So those four plays right there, the difference in the game. Uh, you know, but look, sometimes you need, you need some plays like that <laughs> on the road. Uh, but you know, but I say that, but really, you know, I, we've got to underscore, you know, credit to the big guys. And uh, and tonight, you know, really, I'm going to throw Justin Smith in there too, because I thought. Outside of a few questionable three-pointers that he took, I thought he really did a nice job offensively of getting on the offensive glass. He had three offensive rebounds. I think all three of them he turned into points. Um, you know, So you got that production from him, the 15 points. We talked about Trace. We talked about Bronk. Duran came in, only played six minutes, but had four points and three rebounds. Had a, that nice little hook shot, had the nice little jumper. Um, you know, So it was nice to see... The big guys really step up and control against a Nebraska team that, frankly, just isn't very good at guarding down there. Um, and look, Indiana's not going to be able to do this every night. We know that you know other Big Ten teams are going to be better at containing them inside. But this was a night where the big guys need to do some work down low, and they did it. And that ultimately was the difference in the game for Indiana. Well, yeah, you look across those those four guys that you mentioned with Trace, uh, Joey, Justin, and Duran. They had fifty three points and twenty eight rebounds between them. And and I think when you look at there was a lull in the first half from an offensive standpoint, and there was one in the second half. I mean, the common thread between those is typically a a heavy mix of turnovers and and missed and possessions that end in three point shots. So um, those are when the offense bogged down and didn't didn't play well. Those were the common threads really uh, on either side. And and um, but but yeah, I thought the big guys all all played really well, and it was uh, a game that. You, you probably want to see them get more out of the guards, but it was a chance for IU to exploit a clear advantage against Nebraska, and they did a good job of that. That was, um, you know, one of the things I think we talked about leading into the game was, you know, if, you, if you're if you not getting the ball inside to those guys, you're putting yourself at a real disadvantage because they did struggle. Uh, Trace in particular, he was the guy who often got put in a position to try to, you know, guard somebody a little bit smaller and uh, gave up a, a number of layups as a result. So you had to be able to to use that to your advantage, both on the glass and offensively. And I thought they did a good job of doing that. Really dominated uh, on on the boards. And uh, like I said, fifty three uh, between those four guys was uh, a pretty impressive showing. So the guard play uh, still is a uh, an enigma a, a little bit from from moment to moment. But uh, but you, you got to give those guys a lot of credit for just being active uh, as much as anything else and, and using the offensive glass to create some additional points and possessions over the course of the game and ladies and gentlemen our special guest for the evening is here alex bozich from inside the hall taking a break from posting content over inside the hall.com to come join us uh, alex your opening thoughts on this indiana road victory well first off thanks for having me guys it's a uh, it's a privilege uh, to be here um you know I, I looked at the at the rutgers game in many ways as 
progress for Indiana because they were a lot more competitive than they were in the first two road games. And as much as maybe people didn't want to read about it or hear it, but uh, I felt like there were some things they could build on from that game, uh, particularly defensively. They played really well. And, and I thought for a good part of tonight's game, they were locked in um, on both ends of the court. Uh, it, it didn't, necessarily always feel that way uh particularly in the second half with uh the field goal drought and i think they were i think it was over eight minutes uh eight and some change where they didn't score a field goal but they never really kind of let nebraska um you know they, i know they did let them get within eight and then six a couple times in the last 80 seconds of the game but they never really kind of let them seize control back of the game and i thought that was important it's never going to be i don't feel like in this big 10 season uh, a situation where you just go on the road and completely annihilate somebody, uh, especially uh, you know with this Indiana team that we've seen uh, these these long droughts offensively. But you know this was definitely um, progress in that um, you know, so many times with this team that we've we've kind of seen them give control back to the opponent, and this time they were able to hold on. So uh, just a really big win uh, for a lot of reasons. I know. I know. Uh, one thing I wrote about was, you know, this is really the last um, leading into the game. This is really the last chance for Indiana to take a bad loss from a resume perspective. So just to get out of there, whether it's a, a one point win, an eight point win, a twenty point win, to get out there with, out of there with a win, especially with what's ahead in terms of the schedule. I think they've got the second toughest schedule in the country remaining. Uh, so to be four and three at this point with fourteen wins, I think they got to be feeling pretty good about themselves. Yeah, no question. And and look, I, you know, I, I want to spend some time, and, and we'll save it for a little bit later, talking about the guard play because you know I do have, you know, I have some concerns about. Like, I don't think the way Indiana won this game tonight, like I don't think this is a formula that you're going to be able to take on the road to beat other teams. But it was a good formula to beat Nebraska. Like I thought Indiana did a better job tonight than they did in the first game, handling the way that Nebraska spreads you out defensively. You know, they obviously they were leaky at times, but overall they were better containing dribblers. Overall, they were better helping to three-point shooters, which was nice to see. And Andy, as we talked about, I mean, they really, really exploited that advantage inside. Now, again, you just in, in the rest of the road games, you're not going to get that. So I think if for Indiana to pick up another road win, they're going to have to have a little bit of a different formula. And, you know, so we'll talk about some of the guards, but one of the guards that I do want to talk about in a positive way is Armand Franklin, who I thought really gave Indiana some good minutes, um, you know, in the first half. I thought during his first stretch of play in the second half, he was also really good. He finishes with eight points, uh, six rebounds, four assists, a block, a steal, you know, was two for five from downtown. Now, you know, look, he did some of the things that he does. He had some hand check fouls. He, you know, airballed the three pointer. His jersey got grabbed, but he you know, dribbled the ball. I think Ryan Texas, he's like, I've never seen a guy dribble the ball off his foot twice in one, you know, in one breakaway. So he had some of those plays. But what really impressed me about him, Andy, was this was a game where Nebraska was giving our guards opportunities. And, you know, in a lot of situations, our guards were hesitant to take them, it looked like. And Armand, at least, was really out there being aggressive in a game that I thought called for aggression from the guards. So you're going to take some good, you're going to take some bad, but I thought his approach to the game was really impressive, which I'm sure is what Archie saw, which is why he gave him 23 minutes, and I thought his activity was really important. Um, and I thought when Indiana was really playing well, it seemed in the first half and second half, he was in there making plays. And that that's good. If he can start doing that, that is part of the formula for this team being able to compete better on the road. Yeah, they. Uh, he was really one of the only subs. Uh, we, we've 
kind of everybody's beaten the tighter rotation conversation into the ground at this point. Not as much as the shooting conversation, but uh, but close. And and he was really one of the only guys who over the last, I think, eight or so minutes was it was kind of six guys. I think who played Jerome got in a little bit at the end. Uh, but no, he did. He did some good things at the beginning of the second half. He came out and uh, had a nice block that ended up being called a jump ball. Got IU the ball back. Uh, and I thought in general played played some solid defense in terms of recovering out to shooters and uh, and getting out there. He is still a little handsy defensively, so that got him into a little bit of trouble. But uh, overall, I thought on that end of the floor, he was he was solid. Uh, and it was it, the door for him to play more was opened up because Al uh, I felt really struggled uh, to contain dribblers on on that end. So I think that earned Armand some minutes uh, eventually, and he shot it confidently. I think there's just um, you know, there, there are many ways where he played like a freshman, which is kind of what you would uh, would obviously expect from somebody like that. I think the shot selection at times can use uh, a little bit of work, but he does have a, a lot of confidence in himself and is willing to step in in, in scenarios, isn't afraid to take big shots. Um, but did, you know, I think he airballed another uh, baseline jumper. Uh, maybe it was somebody else, but I think it might have been him in the first half. It was, so, it was him. Um, you know, a couple things, a few turnovers, um, more positive than negative, though, which is is good. Uh, progression from him in a, in a road environment. And I think he's a guy that, you know, Devontae didn't get a ton of minutes, uh, even though I thought he actually played relatively well um, in his stint in the start of the second half, but he only ended up with 14 minutes. So I think the, the, if, if Armand can continue on the trajectory of, of improvement that he's at uh, the opportunities there on a team that doesn't have a lot of guard depth. And uh, in, in some ways I think is looking for somebody to really step up and be more reliable. Yeah. I mean, Alex, it's a, you know, it can be kind of a, a thin line to try and toe at times because, you know, you don't want him trying to do too much. And yet, you know, you want guys on the road to be on the road to be aggressive, to play free. And that, that's that's kind of what I thought he brought to it. I thought Rob and Al were a little tentative at times, and I just thought Armand was out there to make plays. And I, I feel like sometimes on the road, having a guy with that mentality, even if he's going to make some mistakes can just kind of help shake things up and, and help give you energy. And I just thought, I thought that was really important that he brought that tonight. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that because that, that was when I was watching, um, you know, that run in the first half where they kind of had the, the, some of the younger guys in there. I think Jerome hit a couple threes. Uh, it, it seemed like the guys were just kind of out there playing basketball instead of trying to avoid making a mistake. They were just trying to make plays. And you kind of saw it the confidence building there for a, for a small uh, segment of that game. And that was really, to me, you know, they were what down nine at one point, I think in the first half, and then to be able to flip that yep. and going to halftime with the lead. And then it kind of just kind of early in the second half, they, they really started out well. And that's when they uh, built that 19 point lead, I think on two separate occasions, but, but yeah, it's, it's, it's almost like when the when the offense isn't going well, guys kind of freeze up and they're afraid to are you know afraid to take a shot. But then once a couple of three pointers went down in that first half, I think they made six, which for this team to make six three pointers in one half is a pretty significant accomplishment. Um, thank you. That's, Sometimes it feels uh, like there's a, there's <laughs> weeks that if they made six three pointers, it yeah. would feel like an accomplishment. It, Exactly. But you could just kind of, I don't know if you guys saw that, but you know, there was just, you know, a, kind of a, a sequence of possessions there. I, I don't have the exact times and all that written down, but it was, uh, it, it was just a kind of a different look in terms of just the confidence. And, you know, one guy made a three and then all of a sudden the next guy's confident when he takes a shot. And I think a lot of times with a young team, particularly with some young guys, you know, an experience like this, especially for Armand and Jerome can give them 
maybe a shot in the arm uh, to know that they can do it in a situation like this. You know, it, it may not ever come as easy again the rest of the season on the road as it did tonight in Nebraska, but to at least have that taste of winning uh, away from home and to know that it is possible, I think, can be a real positive moving forward with this team. Yep. Yeah, you mentioned Jerome, and you know we'll talk about him because I thought he provided Indiana with a real lift in the first half. Didn't play a ton in the second half, but I thought his minutes really important. Last point on this before we break. So that lineup in the first half, it was Armand, Rob, Jerome, Trace, and Joey. They were really the ones that built the lead. And I was I was, I was disappointed when they subbed, but I get it. You know, Joey was tired. I think Rob had picked up his second foul. And actually, they subbed and then pushed the lead out. I think, you know, the, the guys who came in, Duran made a couple of plays. They ended up push, extending the lead out. So... You know, it worked, even though I would still, you know, I would like to see Archie's bias be a little bit more towards letting lineups that are rolling play, but I get it in this instance. I don't think that five played in the second half together, did they? I I, I didn't chart it, but given the number of minutes that Jerome played, I would find it somewhat yeah. hard to believe that, that they would have for at least not for any extended period of time. Yeah, which I would have liked to see because it really it, lineups <laughs> that have had a real rhythm have been few and far between. You know, since the since the calendar turned from November, so I would have liked to see that group play more. But Indiana won by eight, so these are obviously just little nitpicks. But uh, coming up as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's victory over Nebraska, I'll point out today's meaningful moment that you might have missed. It's going to be about Al Durham, and then we will go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from the game. You are listening to the Assembly Call after an IU road win. Stick with us. This is Jordan Halls, and I never miss a shot or an episode of The Assembly Call. Thank you, Jordan. You are listening to The Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Alex Bozich from Inside the Hall. We are breaking down Indiana's 82-74 road victory over Nebraska on Saturday night. And guys, it is time for tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed. And now we've mentioned the struggles of the guards, and, and I thought Armand you know, brought a lot of energy. I thought the other guards were extremely up and down tonight. Um, you know, and, and I want to talk about Al Durham because, you know, he got pulled early in both halves. The first half, it happened because he got beat off the drive. And Archie had talked about on the pregame, we have got to contain dribblers. If there's one thing I can have tonight, it's contained dribblers. And as soon as the first guy got beat off the dribble, he yanked him. And I thought Al had a lot of up and downs defensively. I thought, you know, offensively, uh, he kind of struggled to get going. You know, seven points, one for six from the field, had one assist, no rebounds, a couple of turnovers. It just wasn't a very productive game for him, but I thought he had a couple of moments that were actually really important. Um, one is at the 11:45 mark, coming out of the under 12 timeout. You know, it was uh, 68:54, and that's when Nebraska had kind of cut into the lead. And I think all of us, even though we're up 14, we're starting to feel a little bit uneasy. And they ran that little play, you know, where Al can come off the curl screens at the elbow. It actually didn't work the first time, but they reset it. He ended up getting the ball, getting fouled, made both free throws. It pushed it back up to 16, and it just felt like an important possession coming out of the timeout to get a bucket and stem a little bit of the Nebraska momentum. But the play that really stood out to me is at the six-and-a-half-minute mark, Indiana was up by eight, kind of nursing that lead. Rob Finnessy took a three early in the shot clock, one of several questionable decisions by him late in the game. He got immediately yanked from the game. And on the next possession, Al was extremely diligent about getting the ball inside. 
dribbled to find a better passing angle, got it inside to Joey Brunk, and then on the other end had one of his best defensive possessions of the game. He contained Cam Mack, did not let him get into the lane. That ended up forcing a, a pass by Cam Mack at the end of the shot clock to the little walk-on guy that missed a, a, a three-pointer. And it, it was just an important sequence. That man sequence. has a name, Jared. I know, but I don't, I don't, I don't remember his name. Sorry. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm disrespecting the walk-on. <laughs> I apologize. Um, but I just... It was big, and then two possessions later, he got it inside to Brunk for a layup, and it was 73-62. And I think it was like one of only two out of like 13 possessions they got the ball inside. So, you know, outside of that, he had some struggles, but I thought that sequence was really important because it was another point where Nebraska had it down to eight. They could have pushed it out. Archie clearly had something he wanted them to do offensively, which is why he yanked Rob, and I thought Al took it upon himself to get it done. And so on an uneven night for him, I still thought when someone needed to step up and just kind of settle things down, I thought that sequence from Al was really important. Um, and, and look, we need that to be more the norm, not the exception uh, from the guards. But I thought it was important in Indiana being able to maintain that lead and just not letting Nebraska get momentum, Andy. Yeah, I think uh, as we've as we've talked about, I do think he he struggled a lot defensively, more so than offensively. There are a couple... Uh, questionable shots, but that that sequence, I, I remember that defensive uh, possession specifically, where he really did a nice job on Cam Mack, and that's you know that's kind of what you look at, and you're like, man, that was a, a fantastic job. Why well, he played be, a half step off of him, like he was going to concede that be the a jump. Yeah, they're going to, yeah, they're doing that because really at that point, most of what Nebraska was getting was going to the basket anyway. They weren't shooting uh, as many threes; they were really trying to um, go to the rim. So I thought he did a nice job there, and and then you mentioned the other play late in the game when they were really struggling to even just get the ball off the floor where he was more aggressive and kind of ripped through, um, you know, made an aggressive move, ended up getting fouled, missed both free throws, um, but but was more aggressive just in terms of taking care of the basketball and um, and trying to trying to get it up the court instead of getting trapped in the corner and and some of those kinds of things. So, yeah, it was it was definitely an uneven performance for him. I think you could say that really of of all of the guards uh, as you go down the list tonight, but made it, it did make a few key plays. Uh, as you mentioned, kept finding himself in the corner uh, for threes, which is not typically where he shoots it best, um, as opposed to on the wing, where it seems like that's where the, the majority of his threes go in. Yeah, you know, and look, I mean, Rob and had four turnovers. He had one play in the half court where he tried to, like, pass fake and then just threw it right into the Nebraska guy's hand, and it led to a, a run out the other way. I thought he had a quick trigger on three-pointers. Like, I I was really – I was I was disappointed in his decision-making late because you think back to the first Nebraska game, and he was a real catalyst late. And tonight, I, I just thought that wasn't the kind of steady Rob that we're used to seeing, Alex. Do you – any thoughts on, on Indiana's upperclassmen guards who – each had their moments tonight, but overall were pretty uneven. Yeah, I mean, with without Armand Franklin stepping forward like he did, I mean, I, I think this is you know no question a, a bad night overall just for Indiana's guards. You look at this, the statistics from the game; uh, it was primarily, at least, the points were primarily distributed among the front court players. And we knew going in that Indiana's kind of goal in this game was going to be, you know, get the ball inside. They have you know, a, a decided advantage in the, in the post, but yeah, I mean, it's, I think the one problem and um, with the rotation just in general right now is on a game to game basis, there's just no consistency on which players are going to show up. And when you only have four guards, um, there's not a lot of, uh, a lot of mulligan, you know, a lot of different 
um, things you can try. It's just basically you got to ride those guys as best as you can. Um, and you know, they, they miss some, the, the guards also missed some free throws. Um, I thought that was, uh, you know, it could have potentially cost Indiana in the game uh, in the end, but, but they were able to overcome that. But, uh, you know, Finnessy, I think, had some some good plays early, but I agree with you. His, his shot selection wasn't great. The turnovers that the turnovers that continue, I think, to be the most alarming is is, is when this team kind of just dribbles the ball off its foot or just makes a pass that's not there. I mean, Rob had a pass in the second half, I think it was, uh, where he just kind of jumped up in the air and the Nebraska guy was standing oh. there right there with his hands up and it's yeah. like, where, where are you throwing the ball? Um at this point of the season, you just can't have that. Um, uh, the the other guy, I, I don't know how much you want to talk about. I mean, Devonte Green again kind of had a a night uh, to forget. Uh, I think he what finished with three points, didn't really do much. It, it kind of looked like early on that uh, he might end up in the same position uh, in the second half that he did it late against Northwestern, where he was just going to be completely benched because he wasn't really giving Indiana anything. I thought he was just sometimes just casual with the ball and and we say that um you know it's a good thing i guess when he's making a bunch of three pointers but it drives you nuts i think to watch when it just looks like he's careless with the ball and just kind of out there playing uh pickup at times but you know i i I think i guess the glass half full um look at this game is indiana was really really got probably a c game at best from all of fantasy durham and um green and still was able to go on the road and win so maybe that's something yeah uh, th- that was a good thing from this one yeah i mean you know Devontae's he had a stretch of poor play in the first half that coincided with nebraska's big run um and, and you know his poor decisions are really the catalyst i will say this for rob in his defense he came out and played well early i think he had five of indiana's first seven points or nine points whatever it was and that's important on the road you know i thought he was a real settling presence early which to me it was such a stark contrast between then how he played late um, but he but he did get those minutes early. Uh, the other meaningful moment that I want to talk about is Jerome Hunter, who I thought really provided some good minutes uh, early on. Uh, Andy, as you know, I, uh, I I texted you guys and said the breakout was coming tonight. I just kind of had a feeling, and it was looking really good there for a while. I, I said he once had that 12. first three went down, but then when the second <laughs> one flew across the rim and hit the backboard on the other side of the basket, then. It did, but you then were, I was I was feeling good again. Was unwavering, but he, I just you know he made the next one two for three. Hey, I predicted twelve points and four rebounds. He had six at halftime. It was looking good, and they didn't play that much <laughs> in the second half. Um, but what impressed me about him is as soon as he got in, I, I thought he just he really because I you know I know he's a guy Archie has talked about like hey you know just kind of get out of the way on offense. I thought he really showed an understanding of what Indiana wanted to do offensively. The first possession he got the ball, he immediately got it in to Trace Jackson Davis, and then Trace kicked it out to him, and he made that three-pointer. Um, but he was determined to get it inside and did. And then the next possession, he got the ball and backed his man down to basically create a post opportunity, which he's good at, and then found Armand Franklin for a wide-open shot. Armand missed it. But, you know, again, for a young guy who's kind of getting in, still getting himself acclimated, getting comfortable, I thought... This was one of the, the the best sequences he's had of coming in the game and getting right into the flow. And, you know, and again, he made another three. He was two for three on the night. Hopefully that is a sign of things to come. It felt like he had more to give tonight and just didn't really have the opportunities in the second half, Alex. But again, I, you know, I continue to think that his development can be one of the biggest game changers for this team moving forward because of how dynamic he can be offensively. And we see these little glimpses of it. It hasn't been consistent yet. Obviously, this you know wasn't the big breakout, anything like that. But in eight minutes, 
it, I thought it was really, again, something to build on, which now two out of the last three games, I feel like we've come out of it saying that, and that's a good sign. The thing I like about him the most is there's just no – he doesn't hesitate when he comes in, right? He's going to try to make something happen. Now, there may be some times where he takes a shot and you're like, maybe that wasn't the best shot. But but yeah, today it was in the flow. Right. It was it was definitely in the flow. He was able to make two threes. Um, but, you know, I think this team's ceiling is, you know, how high it can be, I think, is in many ways determined on – just how how much Jerome can give this team, you know. I think he's a guy that you want to give the minutes to because there's a a future in this program. I view him as a, a building block moving forward for IU, and uh, in many ways, um, you know, he hasn't shot the ball particularly well uh, as a freshman. But you know, I saw it firsthand watching him um, as a high school player, uh, particularly on the AAU circuit. He was just a guy that was really smooth with the ball, never lacked confidence, and. I think that's carried over even you know the best thing to me is that he's he comes in and he still isn't afraid to shoot and and, and always is trying to make some kind of contribution now uh, we'll see if you know that you can't always do that again you can't always get away with some of the wild shots that he's taken against some of these better teams coming up but you know to come in and play eight minutes and knock down a couple threes I mean those are definitely pivotal shots that, that really contributed to the win well, and I think the the thing that you've started to see from him, at least the last couple games, is there for a while he basically was only coming in and shooting threes. Um, but I thought there were even a couple times today where he did take those, you know, took those few early, but he didn't keep forcing threes. He would, you know, shot fake. He would try to get inside and and uh, and probe the defense a little bit that way. So I thought he's you're starting to see him be more comfortable doing things other than just come on the floor and shoot, which is uh, a really positive sign. I think speaks a little bit to just some of the rust. Uh, coming off from uh, of him. And so I think that's a, a positive development. And I, I was surprised that he didn't play more in the second half because I thought he played well in the first half. And, and when he did get in uh, at the end of the game, it was not necessarily meaningless because I don't think any IU fan had totally exhaled at that point. But uh, he played really good defense on those last that last possession with, uh, with Cheatham where he really closed out on him well, didn't let him get a clean look um, and, and didn't get himself in a position to make a foul when uh, the guy basically dove into him while he was shooting. So I think he's really made some strides on the defensive end as well, which is what is is as likely to earn him additional playing time uh, as well as you look forward. And the other thing about Jerome, I'll say, is just from kind of watching him and, and knowing his story as a player and how he's de- kind of evolved through his high school career and talking to people close to him. You know, when he first started out in high school, he was a guy that was primarily playing around the basket, you know, five feet and in playing on the block and even you know later in his high school career he was a guy that that posted up a lot and played a lot around the basket and a lot of the things he's being asked to do now at IU are are more focused with you know having him on the perimeter and with the ball and that's been an adjustment for him uh he's he's always been a pretty good shooter but I think he's in many ways most comfortable you know operating in and around the basket Uh, I think a lot of you know people thought going into college and I, I know Michigan kind of recruited him uh, pretty hard as well. And they, they viewed him as a stretch for a guy that could really play the four and he hasn't been asked to do that here. So there's been an adjustment, but I think, you know, uh, the thing I like about that is he's been willing to embrace kind of the change in, in terms of the, the style of play of what he was asked to do in high school to college. And if he can continue to, to work on his ball handling, you know, I think 
later in his college career, he's a guy that could play three positions. I mean, he could potentially be a two or he could be a three. Three, I think he's three is where he's been playing mostly now, but I also think he can play some four uh, down the road too uh, because of his ability to, to, to stretch. I mean, ideally in today's game of college basketball, you want a four man that can stretch the floor and shoot threes. That's not how India is playing right now, but I think when you look at um, what you want this program to be down the line. You definitely want a guy uh, that can shoot the ball at the forward position. And I think Jerome could be that uh, one day. Yeah, you didn't need it tonight because you could bludgeon Nebraska with Trace and Joey and Justin and it worked. But like like we said, you know the, the formula for tonight was great and you wouldn't trade it for anything because it's a road win and that's extremely valuable and we are ecstatic to get it. But just don't expect that this formula is going to win in the future. It's going to have to be a different way. Uh, Andy, any meaningful moments stand out to you? That we haven't gotten to? Uh, there was only one other one that I wrote down. It was at the beginning of the second half. It was uh, right after I referenced that play that Armand made. But the next defensive possession after that, um, one of the, or the one or one of the two, uh, Nebraska big guys grabbed an offensive rebound and Finnessy basically sprinted down from the top of the key, forced a jump ball. Um, and just thought that really set the tone for how IU played defensively when they extended the lead. Um, that kind of went away a little bit uh, after that, but I, I thought they just came out of the locker room really, uh, really aggressive defensively, and, uh, and and did a really nice job uh, on that end of the floor. And I just thought that was you know the kind of thing that you can expect Rob to do from a defensive standpoint. That while he did have some other struggles over the course of the game, that was a, a really just kind of a, a hustle play, if if nothing else, to uh, be able to get there and uh, and get the tie up. You know, one other meaningful moment that actually happened like long before the game that I want to mention is, and I don't know if folks listened to Archie Miller when he addressed the media, but he spent most of his time on his address to the media ahead of the Nebraska game talking about Trace and talking about conversations that he had that he had had with Trace as Trace is kind of going through this rough patch in Big Ten play, and you know, you know, said you know had a good conversation with him last night, and it sounded like you know they really had a heart to heart. And so it's nice to see that and then see Trace respond, you know, again, with, with a, a great stat line. And this is a matchup that he should dominate. But this is still a freshman, you know, going on the road in a tough place. He's coming off a couple of bad games. They've got travel issues. Like, there's all kinds of reasons why a freshman might struggle or shrink from the moment. And instead, Trace leads the team in minutes with 36, leads the team in points, leads the team in rebounds, and is just a rock out there. Now, his awareness on defense, you know, he gets lost sometimes. He gave up some buckets. Like, that's all well and good. But he was outstanding tonight. And so it's nice when you you see some of these things that the coaches talk about and then it, it happens on the floor. Uh, and obviously, whatever he said to Trace, you know, it, it worked and got Trace refocused to be able to come out on the road like this and play well. Uh, quickly, let's go through some numbers that stand out. To me, you look at this, I mean, there's one number that just leaps off the page. And yes, the eight three-pointers is important. Um, that was huge for Indiana. But 21 assists, guys. 21 assists on 31 made field goals for a team that is in the 200s in assist rate, has an assist rate under 50%, which is not good. You look at why Archie's teams were good at Dayton, their assist rates were 59, 60, 61%. That's what good offenses are able to do. And tonight, Indiana did that with four guys having four or more assists, six guys having at least two assists. So it wasn't just one guy breaking down the defense. It was Andy a real team effort, and you saw a lot of really good post-passing. You know, again, Trace had four assists. Uh, Joey had a couple of assists. Um, and the guards obviously had, uh, you know, some assists getting the ball into those guys and also on some, you know, some breakaway opportunities. But that, to me, was the most important thing because that 21 assist number, it was indicative of, number one, shot making. You know, Indiana made some shots to help push that total up. But the ball was really moving. And 
I didn't think Indiana was as aggressive with the dribble as they could have been, but I thought they moved the ball really well with the pass. Yeah, that was that was definitely the number that jumped out. I think that's I believe that that I saw somebody. I think it was John Blau tweet out tweet out that the highest total they had had previous in the season. I think was nineteen against Princeton. Um, so from a rate standpoint, I would be uh, this might actually be lower because that was probably a slower pace game. This one had I think close to eighty possessions in total. Um, but yeah, that was that was really the big thing. And like you said, some of that was you know, you know being able to actually get guys on the receiving end of, of passes to actually make shots. Uh, but but I did think uh, as well it was a it was a sign of good movement um, and and being able to feed the post and and few lob plays and uh, transition that they that they finished the one from Devonte to Joey was really good and uh, even passing uh, among some of the big guys was was solid as well. So from a number standpoint, yeah, that was the one that really leaps off the page at least it was a lot different than than the prior matchup the rebounding numbers are good in IU's favor but that was really no different than what um, IU had done to them uh, in the first matchup and and was less of a surprise just given uh, given the size differential between the two teams the number that, that isn't good is the 16 turnovers uh, for Indiana that was a key for Archie coming into the game Indiana did not execute that. But I will say, you know, Nebraska was only able to turn that into 11 fast break points. And this is a team that wants to play with pace. They want to get out and run. And there were a couple of notable, you know, moments when Indiana did not get back in transition. In fact, when the game turned, when they were up 19 and then Nebraska started coming back, it was after a really bad transition possession that, you know, that Archie got mad about and uh, Justin was a little late getting over to a three point shooter. But you know, Indiana only giving up 11 fast break points on the 16 turnovers. I thought for the most part, the transition defense was pretty good. And I thought that number was indicative of that. You know, Devontae had a nice play in transition, getting back and getting a block. Um, and, and Indiana was just able to not give up quite as many like wide open threes. And Nebraska did miss a, a few. But, you know, having 16 turnovers bad, limiting Nebraska to only 11 fast break points, good enough. Not great, but good enough. Yeah, I just felt like with the turnovers, they, they came in bunches. And like I said, in those, the stretch in both the first and the second half where uh, where the offense really struggled, those are the stretches that were littered with turnovers. That's obviously not surprising to say that you didn't score a lot of points when you weren't even getting shots. But um, just in terms of when they took good care of the basketball, because on a night when they did make some good passes and set up to have that many assists, um, there were some stretches of really ugly play from both teams. I, I was surprised that Nebraska didn't have more turnovers, quite frankly, uh, although they had seven in the second half. There was a, a really ugly stretch uh, where neither team could really take care of the basketball uh, on that end. So I do think that is is concerning. But at the same time, I think that IU really was aggressive in trying to pick the tempo up during that stretch where they uh, – Again, I hesitate to say they seized control of the game, but where they at least got back in front uh, in the game, I thought a lot of that was really pushing the ball and getting the ball entered into the post quickly as opposed to waiting until the defense is set. I thought they were really effective at that. So maybe the turnovers in some ways are a side effect of really trying to push this team to play a little bit faster and set up opportunities where they can uh, you know, get the ball into the post a little bit easier just by beating people down the floor. Um, so difficult to say, but that, yeah, if you're looking for a, a, a number that is, uh, is not so good, that's definitely the one to focus on nine in the second half, uh, struggled with the press there a bit at the end of the game. So, uh, yeah, no, uh, I don't think there'll be a win for this team that will be without warts at this point. No, this was, this was beautiful. Andy, this was, this was as beautiful as they're going to come. And it was, it was awesome. Um, it's always concerning when I look over in the chat 
and uh, someone says, is anyone listening to the guys talking? <laughs> there's, there's some fierce debates going on in the chat mob right now. So uh, mm. keep it keep it clean in there. Keep it. Clean. Oh, I think I was hoping that maybe that meant just like people after the game. But it, if you if you're taking it to meet us, then fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, coming up on the assembly call, we're going to hand out our game balls. Then we will hit any other lingering storylines from this game, and then look ahead to next week uh, as Indiana goes back home uh, to play Michigan State. Then it'll be time for last call. That's next on the assembly call. Stick with us. This is Tim Perler, and I never miss an episode of The Assembly Call. Thank you, Tim. You are listening to The Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. While you are there, make sure that you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Over 7,000 of your fellow IU fans have subscribed. You can also text IU to 66866 to subscribe to the newsletter. That is text IU to 66866 to subscribe to the newsletter. All right, I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Alex Bozich from Inside the Hall, and we are breaking down Indiana's first Big Ten road win of the season as the Hoosiers beat Nebraska 82-74. to Time now for the game balls, uh, and I'm just going to hit leadoff on this one and say that Trace Jackson Davis is getting my game ball. Uh, you know, talked about him in the banner moment, talked about him in the last segment. You know, he led Indiana in minutes, was really a dominant force and very efficient. You would actually like to see him get more field goal attempts than seven, but he made six of them. Uh, and I thought he knocked down two key free throws late. And it seemed like late in the game, every time Nebraska would miss a shot and it looked like they had someone there to possibly get a rebound and get a second chance, Trace would scoop it up. And he had 13 rebounds, 11 of them defensive. He was just awesome. He was the best player on the floor today. And I thought his numbers could have been even better if Indiana didn't go through stretches where they couldn't you know, get him the ball. And to be fair, he's got to get better at holding position and getting position and doing some of those things. But it still feels like there's more meat on the bone. Like It still feels like Indiana could get more creative in getting him the ball. But tonight it worked. He and Joey really combined down low. Uh, but I give him the edge for my game ball. It goes to Trace. Uh, Andy, who gets your game ball? Yeah, I would go with him as well. Um, you look across the – he led the team in points, rebounds, uh, tied for the lead and assists, had a block as well on a night when IU had eight blocks, I believe, uh, which was another good uh, statistical note. Played more minutes than anybody else, and uh, I believe in looking at the uh, the Ken Palm page for this, he was the MVP of the game, had an offensive rating for the game of 175, which uh, I feel like is Is that good. good? Yes, that seems good. Seems good. Uh, Alex, who gets your game ball? It's already been awarded to Trace because two out of three. So feel free to give someone an honorable mention. If be, you I mean, be to nice to the guest, Jared. Don't say, yeah, Alex, we're throwing it for your opinion, but it doesn't actually matter is basically what Jared's trying to tell you right now. Just, I mean, it, it would be hard not to give it to Trace, but I, I'll uh, I'll go with Joey Brunk um, just because, uh, you know, he's been – you know, early in the season, he was a really kind of a guy that, against particularly against UConn, uh, a lot of people criticized his play early in that game. But he's been pretty consistent. I mean, I know he hasn't scored in double figures a lot, but you kind of look at his game log. Uh, he's he's mostly scored eight, nine, ten points uh, over the last 
you know, two months of, of basketball. And then tonight he, he kind of breaks out in a, in a way and scores 16 points, makes seven of his eight threes. I just think he plays so hard and brings consistent effort. You know, he's not the most athletic guy. He's not the most talented guy, but he, he, he brings the same energy. And I think he's, you know, as much as we kind of like to criticize the, the upperclassmen, the lack of leadership at times from guys like, Devontae Green, Deron Davis, and even Al Durham uh, and Justin Smith, you know, at times as well. We sometimes forget that, you know, even though Joey's new to the program, he is a junior, he is an upperclassman, and he's been a guy that I think has been consistent presence on the court in terms of his, you know, production. At least you know what you're going to get from him uh, from an effort standpoint every game. And uh, when he does, um, you know, contribute, he's usually an efficient offensive player. And tonight, you know, he made – like, like you mentioned earlier, it was weird seeing those guys take those long jump shots. Uh, it, it was fine when they went in, but um, it was weirder seeing him go in, to be honest. But it yeah, was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the whole first half was weird. The fact that they made six three pointers as a team, and, and you know, I think Joey, Duran, and Trace all made like a long two foot jumper right in this game. I mean, that's like. That's, eight of our points were on long jumpers by those guys and we won by eight as we mentioned earlier so sometimes which, you got to get a little crazy those, to get if, road if they wins. wouldn't have made those shots and lost we would have been saying like those are the worst shots in basketball because they are but uh you know for, for a night they went in so hopefully like you said there's a lot of things about this game that aren't uh that you, you're not going to be able to carry over and win in future road games i have, I have a sneaking suspicion that long two-point jumpers by Indiana's three front court players are are, are, are right, right at the top of the list of things that you can't count on in, in future road games. No, but they were part of putting a road win in the bank, so we will take it. He, yeah, and look, uh, you know, Joey to me is like a very close second to Trace because I thought he was really good, and you're right. You know, my banner moment on Assembly Call Radio was basically lauding Joey for becoming our most consistent contributor. And that's not great for this team. I think you want him to be like maybe your you know fourth or, or fifth most you know productive guy. But credit to him for being you know just being that rock that Indiana can count on. And here's a sentence I never thought I would say: Joey Brunk's shot making at the beginning of the second half was really important in Indiana building some early momentum. You know because they well I think Indiana was up by five at halftime right, and then they really quickly pushed that lead out. And a lot of it was because you know Joey hit that floater, then he hit that little shot. You know, shot making from Joey Brunk. It's what we've all been asking for, and he delivered tonight. So, (laughs) (laughs) got to give the people what they want. (laughs) Got to give the people what they want. Um, Okay, so Trace Jackson Davis, that is his eighth game ball. I think the chat mob, it was pretty, I think it was fairly well split between Trace and Joey. Um, There there are some hardcore Joey Brunk fans in there. Jennifer is, she is, she will yell at you if you don't give a game ball to Joey Brunk. So, we got to be careful there. any lingering storylines from this game for you guys? We've talked about the guards. You know, we talked about some of the guys off the bench. You know, maybe the one other guy that we haven't spent a ton of time talking about is Justin Smith, who was very productive. I, you know, I mentioned this earlier. I thought early he had a few really shaky possessions. He had a really casual turnover. Um, but I thought once he really focused in and started taking the ball to the basket, you know, and getting out in transition, getting on the offensive glass, like those three things – He's become, you know, he's he's good at all of them, um, and so I thought when he focused on that, he was, you know, he was a, he was an efficient offensive player. Um, you know, he did make the one three, but you know, some of those other shots, it's just, I don't, you don't want to say they're wasted possessions, but you certainly feel like, especially when it comes early in the shot clock, that you could get a better shot than that from him. He just hasn't proven yet that he's a consistent enough shooter. So, 
you know, but all you know, all those warts in there. He played 32 minutes and was a he was a steadying presence. I thought did a good job defensively, Andy. Um, and you'll take 15.7 rebounds from him on the road, you know, any day of the week. Yeah, I would agree. I thought he was uh, solid on the defensive end. A few questionable shots, but overall, I feel like the the story on him is the same as it it typically has been. If you can get him transition opportunities, get him to use his athleticism on the offensive glass. Uh, and just be active and, and really run the floor. I think that's where he can uh, be successful on, on a team like this, where it's easy to get things bogged down with two post guys and and him being in there where he uh, can't stretch the floor all that much. It, it's, you know, just those kinds of things and really slashing a little bit more uh, are positives for him. He had the one uh, really nice put back where he got fouled, missed the free throw, but um, that was another big play there in the second half to get a little bit, uh, a little bit of momentum. At least if I'm remembering correctly, where that came. And um, so, I, yeah, I thought it was a, a really solid performance from him. I think um, easy to focus on, you know, some of the negative plays, and, and he definitely feels like when you, I think he and he and Devante are in some ways similarly, uh, similarly polarizing in terms of, of what they do. He seems to be a guy that within a game um, may make some plays, but can kind of play his way back into, uh, into being, into being an important factor in the game versus Devante. It feels like kind of once he's gone, he's gone, you, you know, uh, and I think Archie seems to figure that out because the Northwestern game, he let Justin play through some things and he was a big impact player down the stretch of that. And I felt like the same thing today. He, he had some rough patches, uh, in the first half, but really bounced back uh, within the game, corrected those things, and and had a really big impact on the game overall. Yeah, Archie clearly trusts him the most among the upperclassmen. You're right. He will definitely let him play through some some mistakes. Uh, Alex, I know you have to pop off to keep doing the post-game, shows, or post-game stuff over at InsideTheHall.com. You want to give us a final thought before you bounce? Yeah, I mean... Overall, I think just when you look at the big picture of how big this 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 win is, um, the, the more IU continued to drop road games, they were lessening their margin for error in terms of um, you know home court. And I know, um, and and I encourage everybody to you know always um, read Andy's thoughts on on bracketology and the NCAA tournament stuff because he has a better much better grasp on this stuff than I do. But it was getting to the point where you were wondering if Indiana was going to be able to win a road game all season. And I know that that's not a distinction in the, in the, in the uh, selection process, whether or not how many road wins you have, but it was really lessening their chances of, of being able to do anything less than like an eight and two home record and still make the tournament. So this at least gives them a little bit of breathing room in terms of, you know, the fact that they now have a road win, you know, I think if they're able to, you just mostly hold serve at home the rest of the season. Uh, they avoided what could have been uh, viewed as a bad loss. And they, you know, they showed that they are making at least some progress in terms of what, how they started early in the season, uh, particularly uh, the losses at Wisconsin and Maryland were concerning, uh, not from the fact that they just lost those games, but how bad they, they were down in both of them. Uh, I think they showed us a little bit something, a, a little bit more fight in, at Rutgers. And then, uh, they didn't hang their heads after that loss. They they came out and um, as much as everybody wants to, um, you know, criticize Nebraska and the, the, how they played this year, let's not forget that they have beaten Purdue and Iowa at home already in Big Ten play. So it wasn't like this was 
a gimme, but and I'm sure they're going to have some other road wins at home because they they really pack those fans in there. I've never been there, but I've heard a lot of good things about the atmosphere. So, all in all, I think any road wins a good win. Uh, it wasn't quite frankly a game that I was expecting in the end of the win. I you know I thought they could win, but um, it, it's it's uh they, they should be feeling good about themselves, and you know they obviously have a really tough two games uh, coming up and had they lost this game they would have felt a ton of pressure to to win both of these games next weekend and i'm not saying that they don't need to go out and win both because it would be obviously huge if they could but you know now if maybe they do have a slip up or two at home it's not going to sting as badly as it would have if if they continued to, to be winless on the road so that's kind of my my big picture thought on all of it and and it's uh i think you know you, you look around the, the the league right now nobody's winning on the road so 40 and seven, isn't that the record for home teams? Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure what Nebraska's lost at least two of those Northwestern probably lost what three, two or three. I know Iowa won at Northwestern. I know uh, Northwestern has lost Michigan state Michigan won state. there. Iowa mm-hmm. won at and Iowa. Yeah. yeah. I think those two, who are the other three? Do you know this of the seven? I don't know. I'd have to go. Uh, look. Well, Wisconsin won at Ohio state. That was one of uh, Wisconsin. I think might have both the other road wins. I forget who else they beat though. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, Wisconsin. Did they win at? They Illinois won at Penn. Won they won at Penn State. Yeah, Illinois yeah. Won at, and Illinois won at Wisconsin. There yeah. you go. It's a long list. <laughs> wow, it's it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad that we're what, you know, more than halfway through January and we can still name every Big Ten road win. Like kind of. <laughs> Not sure what that says more about the Big Ten or the three of us. It's tough to say. Well, I will say after. Uh, Illinois held on to beat Northwestern right before this game. I tweeted, okay, this this Big Ten home dominance nonsense ends now. However, now as we come out of this game, I would like the Big Ten home dominance to continue because Indiana now goes home their next two games, at home against Michigan State, at home against Maryland. Uh, then after that, they're on the road at Penn State, at Ohio State. Uh, seven out of the next eight games projected losses, according to Ken Palm. Um, now, you know, that's not the, the end all be all. Indiana can obviously win a lot of these games and they're projected to lose both of these home games. But I don't. One thing is you kind of look at some of these projections. Ken Palm has clearly not adjusted for this year's <laughs> Big Ten home uh, uh, dominance. So, you know, I, I look at I look at both of those He's still games. using stats, not just a decision tree that's like, <laughs> are you the home team? If yes, yeah, put he win, needs to and just like not. bump it up. Is this a Big Ten home team plus 15 points? You know, uh, but hey, you know, Indiana went on the road, got that win tonight, but we would like to uh, return it to home dominance against Michigan State and Maryland. Um, any any other players that we haven't talked about yet? Race Thompson. Yeah, we should probably talk about Race Thompson real quick, uh, just you know, to get Ryan's attention, like he like he'll actually listen to hey, the yeah, show. Come on, <laughs> we're fifty eight minutes in. Like we think Ryan will actually get here, but uh, Race did play eight minutes. wasn't wasn't overly productive in his eight minutes. Um, did have a nice block shot. I figured we talked about everybody else. We should at least talk about him. Yeah. No, he had a nice block. And then I think immediately after that, lost a guy on a inbounds and gave up a three-pointer. Uh, so he did. Win, win some, you lose some. But yeah, yeah, I mean, he gave decent minutes, but I think it was, th- this was not a game where you really could play a ton of big guys no matter what. Uh, although given some of what sounds like some of the comments that Archie made in the pregame, I was actually surprised they didn't play smaller lineups. They played fairly conventional lineups for what IU typically does until Hunter I think he wanted to, but the guards were so erratic. Like I just don't like he was pulling Al at certain times. He had to pull yeah, Rob. It would have had to been decisions. like Jerome so, like, getting more minutes at that point. It, yeah. it wouldn't have been anybody else that really had 
made a, a firm case that they should be getting more time in a smaller lineup. That's for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, everybody go read Alex's work at inside the hall.com. Thanks for coming on, Alex. We appreciate it. Um, Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So as we look to next week, um, banner Monday wise, I'm going to try and do the, probably can't do the full show, but I'm gonna try and do the interview uh, with the Corsi. Um, but just stay tuned. It's again, it's going to have to be kind of an impromptu thing on Mondays, but then, you know, you look at next week, Andy, Indiana off until Thursday, one of those nice weeks for us in the middle of the season where the post game show can double as assembly call radio. So it gives us an extra night with our families, uh, which is always, it's always nice when, when the schedule <laughs> works out that way. Um, obviously a huge game, uh, for Indiana against Michigan state. You know, we saw Michigan state go into Purdue and just get absolutely blitzed. Um, you know, I'm not saying to expect that, but this is obviously a Michigan state team that is very good, but also vulnerable on the road. Uh, and then Indiana, you know, comes back on Sunday to play Maryland. So, you know, as you as you look at those two games, like what are your expectations? You know, given how Indiana's played, how those teams are, what the home advantage has been like, like what? Because I feel like it's really tough to kind of know what to expect for those two games. I think with this team, it's it's somewhat hard to know what to expect, really, under any circumstances. So, <laughs> yeah. um, I, I would I would say that. Maryland has definitely struggled away from home. That's been, uh, you know, pretty clear. All four of their losses have come away from home at Penn State, at Seton Hall, at Iowa, at Wisconsin. Uh, although the Wisconsin game, I really felt like they should have won. Um, ended up ended up losing it at the end. Uh, they play at Northwestern uh, early next week, and and Michigan State. For as much as it feels great that IU uh, gets a little bit of time off, Michigan State played on Friday night and doesn't play again until they play at IU, so they even get an extra day uh, off from there. So. I, you know, I think it's pretty difficult to say, I think of the two, just based on track record over the course of this season and how they've played away from home. Um, I guess Maryland feels like the, uh, the more, more winnable of the two for a variety of reasons. Um, Mark Turgeon is coaching Maryland. So that, that's a big, that's a big factor. Um, so, you know, but, but for whatever reason, I, you had Michigan state's number last year on a, against a better Michigan state team. So, uh, again, you're, your guess is as good as mine as to as to what's going to happen, but so they're uh, going to be the, overplaying Justin Smith from three, so we'll have a lot a lot would, of openings. That, that would be amazing. <laughs> I don't know if Izzo and, and company will be that swayed by the small sample size, but I hope that I hope that they are. Uh, so yeah, it'll be uh, it, it'll be interesting. I, you know, ball screen defense is going to be really important. That's been uh, an area where IU has struggled at times this year, and against Cassius Winston, who's about as good in those situations as anybody. Uh, that to me is where. Uh, a, a big portion of that game will be won or lost on the defensive end. So uh, I, I think anytime IU is playing, you know, uh, arguably IU's best performances this year have come uh, in home games against against good teams. So um, if that is any indication, I think that's a positive. And um, you'd like to see this team be able to build a little bit of momentum. I think this win should give them some confidence. It was not without. Uh, it was not without issue. It was not without errors. Um, but, but hopefully it's one that they saw some shots go through the hoop that they get a little confidence and then you go home, uh, for a good while and and a chance to pick up a couple really good wins, uh, in a, in what should be a pretty raucous environment. So I, I think you, you look forward to that given how things have gone in the conference and, and kind of go from there, uh, definitely will be, be test. I, I still think that with the way Ohio state's played of late, uh, Michigan state and Maryland feel like they've. Uh, maybe not separated themselves a lot, but they they still feel like opinions on them as the arguably the top two teams in the league haven't really changed uh, a great deal. And if you look at the Ken Palm projections, it it pretty much backs that up. 
Indiana has won three out of four, you know, and it's important, you know, coming off the two straight losses to Arkansas and Maryland, especially how that Maryland game went, things felt a little perilous, especially given what we all experienced last year. So look, you know, two of those games are games you, you should have won against sub 100 teams in Northwestern and Nebraska. Um, but then, you know, beat Ohio state at home, obviously took the loss to Rutgers, but I think uh, we may have even had the conversation, like, what do you think Indiana needs to do in these four games? And I think we all would have taken three out of four. Um, and Indiana was able to do that and get a road win. So, you know, really nice stretch for Indiana. And it, that's, it, it kind of feels like that's what this season's going to be a little bit, Andy, where it's like, let's just try to stay ahead of the curve, you know, for the NCAA tournament. And winning these games, that keeps you there. I mean, Indiana, you know, right now, you know, I know it, it, you know, it feels like, okay, the, the November wins don't count and, and we've lost some of these other games, but Indiana's a bona fide, what, eight seed? Like, well, like, like solidly. Yeah, I would say I had him as an eight on Tuesday. They split games over the course of the week. I think coach said um, that they had him as the last eight yesterday uh, when they put put it out. So I think they're firmly in that mix. I mean, the way teams are taking losses at this point and, and a lot of teams that are far better than IU have taken some some pretty bad losses. And that's one thing that at this point, I think barring which, you know, given history probably shouldn't even say this out loud but barring losing to somebody you shouldn't in the Big Ten tournament uh, oh they've God. really dodged all the all the the potential for bad losses unless somebody really goes in the tank that they've either already lost to or or would lose to over the course of the season and that that matters to be able to, to do that now doesn't mean you you can go uh, you know winless over you know you can go two and 11 over the rest of the uh, of the season and feel good about it and and in that way and say, Hey, well, we don't have any bad losses. You still got to beat people, but at least put you in a position where there's nothing that stands out to be held against you. And, and Alex yeah. brought this up a little bit. I mean, the road win thing, um, you don't want to end up with just one road win, but you certainly, you know, this team goes, Oh, and 10 in road games and in, in big 10 play, that's something to be held against you. So they've, they've kind of dodged some of those things from a resume standpoint, which is, uh, which is positive. Yeah, just stay ahead of the curve. You know, you just keep winning these games. You know, you're going to lose some of them, but it's like these home games coming up. If you win one out of two, you know, you you just kind of stay ahead of the curve, and it's going to be a real high quality win. And that's I think that's important for this Indiana team because it's never going to be pretty. You know, even the wins are, are going to, as you said, the wins are going to have their warts. But overall, and I know there's there's a lot of consternation. There's been a lot of anxiety, and rightfully so. We've expressed some of it on the show. But, you know, now here we are more than halfway through the season and you look at the body of work and it's solid and it is tournament quality. And now you just have to keep it going. And, you know, we saw Indiana collapse last year during the regular season. But, you know, they seem to have a little bit more of a rudder if, you know, if what we've seen here, you know, over the last few weeks is, uh, you know, is to be trusted at all. But now it'll really be tested because Indiana has one of the toughest schedules in the country going down the stretch. So just stay ahead of the curve uh, for the tournament. And I think... uh, We'll all be happy about that and consider everything else, uh, some, you know, kind of to be gravy. Yeah, I think the other thing, just when you look, you talked about how the the Ken Palm projections are projecting we'll lose. Would you say seven of seven, seven of the next of eight. Eight. Four, four of the next six? The projected uh, point differences are one or two points. So yep. there's going to be with the big, which is not, I guess, probably shouldn't be overly surprising given how closely bunched a lot of the Big Ten teams are. Um, but uh, yeah. If if the things play out the way the stats would suggest that they will, there's going to be a whole lot of close games. Really, from here on out, as you look across the uh, the end of the schedule, there aren't too many at all that are uh, that are wide margins one way or the other. I think at Ohio State 
is a 7.1. And I think that might be the only one that's greater than five points, quite honestly, as you look down. So, yeah, well, you know, you can see that because, you know, in the rest of the games, there's only four of the game projections that go to IU, but the final projection is Indiana finishing 10 and 10, which means that somewhere in there, the algorithm, you know, kind of looks at it and says there's going to be two additional ones of those games that Indiana is going to win. And that's because so many of them are close. So that is a good point, Andy. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's close this down. That's going to do it for us. Uh, oh, no, wait. Before we do that, remember that because you're listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show, you get 20% off your order at homefieldapparel.com with the promo code ASSEMBLY20. So if you want a great deal on the most comfortable and unique IU apparel that you will find anywhere, go to homefieldapparel.com. Use the promo code ASSEMBLY for 20% off your entire order. That is promo code... Uh, no, ASSEMBLY20. ASSEMBLY20. Let me make an update there real quick on the sheet. Assembly 2-0 for 20% off your entire order. All right, Andy, it is time for last call. Final thoughts on Indiana's first Big Ten road win. Uh, a win is a win, and I think it's it seems to be becoming more and more important to just um, focus in on the record with this team and maybe not exactly how they got there, whether that's from a, a, a seasonal standpoint or a game-to-game or within-game basis. Uh, it's funny because I looked at I had just gone through the schedule at some point earlier, you know, before the season made, um, you know, win-loss projections on each one. And I believe that right now they're exactly where I thought they would be. I didn't pick every game correctly, uh, but I think they're either right where I thought they would be or a game within where I thought they would be. And I, I feel like had I not watched the games and just fast-forwarded to this point and you saw that, you'd feel pretty good about it. Now, the context does still matter, and there are things that are, maddening at times about watching this team play. Um, but the reality is, like I said, they've, they've gotten through all the, they've won all the games that they're supposed to win. Uh, and now you put yourself in a position where these games, all of which can really own, I shouldn't say only help you, but, but predominantly help you uh, from a tournament standpoint, like you're in a position where these games matter Um they really can do a lot of good for your tournament profile, and that's where you want to be. You've set yourself up with a chance. You haven't shot yourself in the foot um, by losing a game you're not supposed to lose, and it hasn't always been pretty, but uh, at least they found a way to bounce back from a you know road loss earlier in the week. They came back, uh, really played well, and and should have won this game by more uh, in a place where Nebraska has, has beaten handily uh, a couple other good teams. And so you, you try to put it in that perspective and say, hey, everything's right in front of you. If you can go and, and perform even at a 500 level over the rest of these games, you're going to be in solid NCAA tournament position, which going back to what we talked about on Assembly Call Radio of you know, what the expectations really were coming into the season, you're in a position to achieve that. So uh, it, it definitely hasn't always been pretty and it at times has been uh, really frustrating, but you've kind of, at least if you, if you put it in that perspective, you set yourself up where these games matter. And uh, now it's up to them to to continue to evolve and get better, figure out the rotation and, and all those things and go win some of these games, take advantage of the opportunities that are in front of them and that have been placed there by how well the conference has performed overall in the non-conference. So now it's IU's chance to reap the benefits of that. And uh, and hopefully they will with these couple uh, big big time home games coming up this week. Yeah, good night for Indiana. Important night for Indiana. You know, given how Indiana has played and just how you know, just not in games. They've been on the road to take that early punch, get down nine, and then to build a 19-point lead at one point. You know, that just to be able to do that on the road, I think, was important. Uh, and then to be able to 
you know, not just hang on. Like it's, you know, Nebraska never got closer than six. Indiana kept them at arm's length, did what they need to do, needed to do down the stretch. It's important. This is a confidence building win uh, for for a program on the road that, that I think really needed one. And obviously, we all look forward to the day when, you know, these conversations are more about how many Big Ten wins we need to get to compete for a Big Ten title. You know, and we're not just talking about, okay, what do we need to do, you know, just to make the tournament, which is kind of where the conversations have revolved a, a little bit now. Um, but you know, I think if we meet this team where it's at with all of its strengths, with all of its weaknesses, uh, and, and just try to, you know, try to expect a team to, to maximize its ability and to keep growing and to keep getting better and to improve, we're seeing that from this team. You know, they're not making leaps and, you know, light years of improvement. It's, but it's, we're seeing some slow, steady, but clear incremental progress that I think, gives reason to to have some confidence here as we head into this really difficult part of the schedule. Uh, obviously we want the guards to play better. Um, you know, and and I think a guy like Jerome Hunter developing could really help, but you know, I think what we've seen over these last four games, Indiana's ability to win three of them, get one on the road, uh really important and I think it bodes well now for what Indiana can do as we move forward here with what's going to be a gauntlet in January and February, but I feel much better about this team's ability to handle it now than I did a couple of weeks ago, and that's obviously a very, very good thing. All right, that's going to do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. If you ever want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, chat mobbers, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall, and don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to Bob Thompson, who provides a lot of the music that you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We will be back to talk IU hoops again with you for sure on Thursday night after IU Michigan State. Until then. Take it from me, Nick Sizeloft. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And as always, go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Here I come. This is Don Sony. Stop shut the <laughs> down, folks. <laughs> I mean, at some point that that drop of coach won't be funny, but today is not that day. We're we're not there yet. <laughs> Still funny. Oh yeah, I was just I was looking at Twitter and yep, one hour ago, rumors and rants. Also, apparently I was right about changing things up on the road might work. Get out of here. I'm so glad there's not a simple call radio between now and the Michigan State game. So he will not be able to go on air. And do his victory yeah. lap, and it'll be forgotten by then. Sorry, Ryan. <laughs> Fantastic. That's rough. Yes, it is rough. Yes, it is. Um, good stuff, man. Yeah, it was good. Man, good need, to get a win. I needed a. I needed a win. We had a a heartbreaker. Third grade loss today. Lost by one in overtime. Oh no! Uh, they played. It was e- easily. I blame the, the coaching. Easily the best game we played over the over the course of the year. Um, so it was disappointing. We had a shot that was like online. I thought it was going to go into win. And then I just fell on the ground after that. But it was, <laughs> no, it was, you went, it was, it was either going to be Bob Knight after Michigan or Mike Davis, like yeah. after uh, Dane Fife's foul. I would, yeah, I probably would have just <laughs> run around the place, lifted the girl up and like just ran around with her. But uh, yeah, it was, it was good. They played, they played really well, but it was, it was a heartbreaker for sure. So. Uh, oh, yeah. By the way, thanks for Trenton for remembering that. I keep forgetting to mention this during the show. February 8th, 
IU Purdue game. Uh, we will be there. Obviously, we hope that you'll be there at the game. But we'll be at Switchyard Brewery after the game. We're going to hustle right over there. So I don't know how long it'll take us. It'll probably be a half hour to an hour after the game. Um, but we're going to do a live post-game show, IU Purdue. So we'll be doing it with the Crimson Cast fellows. Uh, so come. We're going to try and have an audience mic. Um uh, so that you can ask questions, but it's going to be a fun night. So hopefully, even if you can't come to the game, come to Switchyard, hang out, see the show. And if you can't be there, we're really going to try. I can't like guarantee it, but we're going to do everything we can to get the audio from that and then be able to post it on the podcast feed. So anyway, hopefully we will see you guys there. All right, everybody, have a good night. Have a good weekend. Uh, go Packers, I will say, for my wife on behalf of her rooting interests, which I have adopted since we got married, because I'm smart. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And uh, we will talk to you guys next week. See you all. All Thanks, everybody. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five.